Hello, everybody, and welcome into the first episode of the ECHL podcast. My name is Cooper Burns alongside Brendan Paul. We appreciate you coming and listening to us today. Uh, it has been a crazy week in ECHL. I know you know, Brendan, it has been just just a crazy week. Um, we're excited to start this podcast um, together. We love ECHL. We're all things ECHL. We're always talking about it. And we wanted to create this platform to kind of just have some conversations about East Coast Hockey League. Um, we really never ran it. At least I never really ran in somebody that loved ECHL. Um, uh, you're pretty much the first one. I don't know if you've really ever met someone that loves ECHL either. So um, I'm just excited to be here. Me too. I'm excited to kind of see another person that is committed to the ECHL or not really committed, but intrigued by the ECHL outside of going to Tulsa Oilers games for the last half dozen years or even longer than that. And it's, it's nice to see someone outside of the the city of Tulsa uh, like the ECHL as much as uh, I do. So it's exciting. Yeah. Kind of a spoiler alert uh, there. Uh, Mr. Brendan Paul is a big Tulsa Oilers fan. I know uh, you have season tickets to the Tulsa Oilers. Um, tell us about that a little bit. Oh, yeah, I've had uh, season tickets. My parents uh, first went to a game in 1992. They won won the championship, the CHL at the time, the Central Hockey League Championship that year. And they kind of liked the the overall atmosphere of the arena because at the time we played in the old city convention center when it was only about 6,500, 7,000 seats. And it was a really crazy environment. Now at the BOK Center, it holds roughly uh, around 19,500 it's it's still exciting because you can still get pretty large crowds on most of the nights and it's just it's just a lot of fun to have hockey in Tulsa for this is the 75th year I think so it's exciting yeah me myself uh, from Atlanta obviously Atlanta Gladiators fan I do not attend as many games because it is a very far drive um, to gas south arena but yes I've followed ever since the Atlanta Thrashers left I've become a really big uh Atlanta Gladiators fan. Um, they're doing okay right now. Um, they just lost the division lead, but we'll get to that now. Uh, playoff push coming up very quickly. Um, this year, if you don't really follow ECHL, usually in hockey it's it points that is the determining factor in who makes the playoffs. But this year, with COVID, um, not everybody's going to play the same amount of games. Um, so it is point percentage is how we are going to determine. So... There are four divisions, um, two in the East, two in the West, and the top four teams from each division make the playoffs. So we're going to start in the North Division here. Top two teams have qualified for the ECHL playoffs, or the Kelly Cup playoffs, I should say. Now, the Reading Royals have played 66 games. They have a 68.9 point percentage at 41, 16, and 7. They have the next next to their name, which means they are in the playoffs. Newfoundland is second. They put 62 games. 40, 19, and 3 with a 66.9 uh, point percentage. They also have an X next to their name, which means they are going to the Kelly Cup playoffs. Now, you kind of get down to 3 through 5 mainly. Trois Rivieres played 64 games with 31, 28, and 4 with a 5, or sorry, 52.3 win percentage. Then it gets very interesting for that last playoff spot. Worcester has played 66 games. They're 30, 30, and 4. They are 500 even. And Maine, who has played 67 games, is also 30, 30, and 4. And they have played 
or they're at 50% or 500. So it's very interesting. Adirondacks pretty much out of it, 41.7 point percentage. Right now, I want to get your thoughts on the North Division here. Well, this is the division that is responsible for why we are doing the point percentage playoff format. And I don't know why Adirondack is not marked with an E next to their name. They're out of it. They don't have enough games to catch up. Even if even if Worcester or Maine uh, happen to lose out, which one of them's going to have to win a game at some point. They're both 500. They're fighting for that last playoff spot. Both of them with pretty tough games tonight. Maine is on the road at Reading tonight. And Worcester hosts Trois-Rivières, a Trois-Rivières team that beat them 6-0 last night. So and they need to rebound. Worcester needs to rebound. Maine needs to rebound. And it's going to be tough coming down the stretch these last couple of games. It's going to be really tough. You see Maine has Redding again. Worcester gets a little break on Sunday with Adirondack. So I personally am going to go with Worcester to take that fourth spot. Trois-Rivières pretty much got it locked up. I don't see any way they could miss at this point. Maybe one more win tonight should solidify it. But I'd go Redding, Newfoundland, Trois-Rivières, and Worcester into the playoffs. And apologies to Maine Mariners fans out there. Yeah, this is one of the main reasons that we actually have the point percentage. Uh, because Newfoundland and Trois-Rivières have had hard times with COVID and struggling games. Newfoundland's only played 62 games. You're supposed to play 72, and Trois-Rivières only played 64. So, you know, it they've had tough times with COVID and, and uh, rescheduling, rescheduling games. So that's pretty much why we're in the spot we are right now. We're going to go down to the second division, which is the South Division. Uh, myself included, very upset after what happened last uh, last couple nights with the Atlanta Gladiators. They are in the playoffs, but Florida has taken the division lead. They are 40-19-6 with a 65.2 win percentage. Atlanta, 42-23-3 and with a 63.8. And Jacksonville, 38-25-3 with a 59.6 win percentage. Atlanta, they are in the playoffs. Um, as of right now, they do have an X next to their name. Florida has an X next to their name. Jacksonville also has an X next to their name. So the top three are in the playoffs. Uh, it's just a it's just a fight for that last or for the first first spot in the division. Going down a little farther down, Greenville, uh, they are fourth at fifty three percent point percentage. They're fighting with Orlando, who is fifth, who is at fifty two point two, and then South Carolina and Norfolk. Surprised they don't have any next to their name. They're pretty much eliminated. Yeah, they're out of it. Uh, they're pretty much out. They are. Uh, are they one hundred percent out of it? They are. They are one hundred percent out of it. They are one hundred percent out of it. Uh, I just kind of want to get your thoughts on the top of the division. I want to hear what you have to say about the Gladiators. I know you've called this probably the weakest division, which the bottom two are pretty much the weakest in the ECHL, if not the weakest in the NHL. But I kind of want to get your thoughts on what you've seen from this division the past week or so. Yeah, it's very it's very top heavy, and then bottom is really it's really top and bottom. It's completely different you see at the top florida atlanta and jacksonville both are th- all three really solid teams florida has been playing really well as of late atlanta has been winning games as of late but they have been losing some as well that they shouldn't be losing and uh jacksonville they're a team that's kind of been up and down i've seen them they beat atlanta last night i believe 4-1 or recently and then they will lose 6-1 to Norfolk, who is the last team in the division. So, honestly, Jacksonville kind of is throwing me for a loop. 
because they're a little inconsistent as of late with just a few games left in the season. And then Greenville is a team not quite qualified, but fighting for it with Orlando that has been playing really well. They've had a good series against Rapid City. They've taken both the games to OT and won one of them. And uh, Orlando is a team that's going to get a lot of Jacksonville in these last couple of in the last cut in the last week or so of the season. So right now, Greenville's got one game in hand and one game up on the standings in terms of point percentage. So I would go with Greenville taking that last spot. I don't think Orlando quite has it. They've lost some key players, whether that be trades, injuries, call-ups to the AHL. They've just lost a lot of key players that have helped make their team solid. Yes, you were right. 4-1 last night. Jacksonville, unfortunately, beat Atlanta. And the game before that, they won 7-1 to against us. And that, those games were both at home. So that makes it a little bit worse for us in terms of making a case to win the division. We still have to play them once more. I don't know the date on that, but it is coming up. So that's the South Division for you. And of course, like Brennan Paul mentioned, one of the weaker divisions in the ECHL. Now we're going to move on to the Western Conference now. Things are very interesting here in the Western Conference. We have the Central Division, not the really the one I was talking about in terms of being interesting here. Uh, they have an excellent one next to them is Toledo. They won the division. They're probably going to be the number one seed in the Western Conference, if not already. Definitely. They have a 70.9 win percentage. They are 46-18-1. Very impressive. Uh, then you go to Fort Wayne. They're 37-24-6 with a 59.6 win percentage. Uh, then then it gets a little tight down here. Through three through five get wheeling. Uh, they're 35-28-4 with a 55.2 win percentage. Then you go down to Cincinnati, fighting with Kalamazoo. They Cincinnati's played 68 games. They're 35-30-3 at 53.7 win percentage. Then Kalamazoo, 67 games, 35-31-1. They're at 53% win percentage. Then you got Indy and Iowa, both at 47.8. Uh, they're pretty much out of it at this point, uh, if not already eliminated. Um, I kind of want to, you know, obviously we could talk about Toledo, but I don't really think it's worth it. I mean, they are the cream of the crop. We'll get back to them in a, in a few minutes. But I really want to talk about three through five. I know that the point percentage between Wheeling and Cincinnati is is a fair one, 0.15. But you can make up ground in these last couple of games really quickly. That's a win. That's a Cincinnati win and a Wheeling loss, and that ground is made up. Wheeling with five to go. Cincinnati with four to go. It's interesting, especially that Cincinnati, who's been a powerhouse recently in the Central Division, has a chance to not make the playoffs. Same with Kalamazoo. I mean, Wheeling is a team I did not expect under any circumstances to be in a playoff push at this point in the season. And Toledo even strikes me interesting because even though they are statistically the best team in the ECHL, They've lost both of their goaltenders that have helped them get to their point. Billy Christopoulos was called up to the AHL, and Caden Fulcher also called up to the AHL. So two new netminders. They're still going to be relying on TJ Hensick, Jesse Mitchin, the uh, the veteran crew there in Toledo to help lead them to the promised land. And Fort Wayne, another team that's got a lot of veteran leadership. I'm surprised they don't have the... VX yet they're up quite significantly on Wheeling for third. 
I really don't see any mathematical way that Fort Wayne could miss the playoffs at this point in the season. But, you know, you never know. It's all about seeding, too. Fort Wayne could be the four, and that would present an interesting first-round matchup between Toledo and Fort Wayne. Honestly, I see Toledo, Fort Wayne, Wheeling, and I like Cincinnati to stay where – I like the four to stay where they are. I don't think Kalamazoo will jump back up into it, even though they have a game in hand. It's very interesting that you talk about Cincinnati like that. Um, they have been a real big powerhouse these last couple of years, but, of course – when you're a powerhouse in the NHL, most of those guys are going to get called up, and you're going to have to kind of almost rebuild your team and whatnot and gain the new guys that have been drafted and sent down um, sort of, you know, to the team. So I do, I do agree. Kalamazoo has been on the up and down recently. Obviously, you see 5-4-1 of their previous 10. Um, I think they just have a tough schedule to end it, so I do agree on Cincinnati. Now we're going to go to the last division here, uh, which is the Mountain Division, Brendan Paul's favorite division. And we recorded a test episode last week. We did not uh, get to post that. But since then, things have flipped upside down in this division. And we'll get to that in just a second. So in Mountain Division, Utah is currently leading 39-27-2 with a 58.7 win percentage. But they are 4-6 and six in their last 10. And right on their tail, who's catching up, is Rapid City. 34-23-6 at a 58.1 win percentage. They are right there. I kind of just want to get your quick thoughts on, on these two because they're, you know, the difference between 2 and 3 is huge. These two are probably going to be contending for the win. I kind of want to get your thoughts on maybe who's going to take the division lead and what you've seen out of Utah, who has a losing record in their previous 10. Well, Utah's had a pretty tough schedule. I mean, they've had to go up against... A Tulsa team who's getting hot at the right time. They've dealt with Idaho, who is a great team on paper. They haven't performed really up to snuff, in my opinion. But Jake Kupski still got Idaho ready to try and make a playoff push here. They played tonight, the last three games uh, tonight of that series start with this first one. They'll play each other. Rapid City, they've done a good job. You see over the last 10, they both only have four wins, but Rapid City has done a much better job of closing the deal late and taking games into overtime against Greenville especially. And then in that test episode that we recorded, the four I uh, I picked into the playoffs out of the Mountain Division are in there right now, not in the right seeds though. Tulsa in third, they've been playing really well. They just won 8-2 to two last night over Wichita. And then Allen with a big, a big loss last night to Kansas City. It was in overtime though, so it didn't really hurt their point percentage. But a huge loss nonetheless. Allen still with two games in hand over the Oilers. They're about one game back right now. They've got two against Wichita, and then they'll play three against Iowa next week. Tulsa Rapid City, though, that is going to be an interesting series, and it could be a potential first-round playoff matchup depending on how the Utah-Idaho shapes out. So I like the four I like the four teams that are in right now, Utah Rapid, Tulsa, and Allen, to stay right where they are. Yeah, Kansas City and Wichita are pretty much eliminated. Uh, they're down below 50% there. It is very tight. I mean, you want to talk about it. Tulsa is at a 55.1 win percentage. Allen at 54.5. And Idaho at 54.3. So two thousandths of a point separating Idaho and Allen for that last playoff spot. I like what you said. I know this is going to really make you happy. But yes, Tulsa is getting hot at the right time. Uh, they're 6-3 and. Uh, one was it one shootout loss? Yes, we lost a shootout last weekend to Allen. Yes, 
Uh, they're a very disciplined team. They have the least amount of penalty minutes in the division at 729. But, yeah, 6-3 and three in their last nine. And a lot of the teams around them have a very difficult schedule. So I think Tulsa's going to be in. I think, I don't know, it's hard to tell between Allen and Idaho. Um, you know, I think I think Idaho might sneak in there. I, I really do. Um, I think I know they have a tough schedule, but you know, some of the teams have already clinched playoff berths. I know they're going for seeding, like Florida, but I just feel like Idaho's going to get a win at the right time. And Allen, like you've said all season, sometimes they're just really streaky. Sometimes they just lose to teams that they should not lose to. And I think Idaho is going to have a, a big win one night, and Allen may lose to a team that. Frankly, they should not lose to, um, and that's what I think. So now we went through the divisions. I kind of want to go through the conferences now and see who's going to make the Kelly Cup Finals. Brandon, I'll start with you in the Eastern Conference. We've gone through each division. Who do you think is going to win the Eastern Conference this season? Well, it's like the South Division and the North Division. The Eastern Conference is really controlled by about four teams for the most part, and then it's pretty much just nothing below that. The two, the four teams to look out for: Reading, Atlanta, Newfoundland, Florida. I don't think Jacksonville poses much of a threat past the second round if they even get there in the first place, having to face Atlanta as of now in the first round. I think Newfoundland. They've got a lot of AHL guys on their roster. I think that Newfoundland Growlers team is a guy is a team that could make the uh, Kelly Cup Finals out of the Eastern Conference because, I don't know, Redding doesn't really have the coaching experience or really the player experience uh, to go deep in the playoffs. And I know that Newfoundland, most of their guys have been there or know guys that have been there and done that before. Yeah, I think I think it's tough, like you said. I just think, like, who would you pick? I picked Newfoundland. Okay, Newfoundland. Okay, that's what I thought. I'm going to go with Redding. I think they've been the most consistent team in the East all season long. Um, I think the Flyers, they've been struggling in the, like the actual NHL the past couple seasons. They've got a lot of high draft picks, um, and I think a lot of those guys are in the ECHL right now, a lot of young young studs, I like to call them, um, down there in the ECHL and Reading. They're eight points ahead. Obviously, Newfoundland's played four less games, but I just think Reading is, is a very disciplined team. Like I've been talking, I like disciplined teams that play good defense. They have 600 penalty minutes. Which is very low considering some teams are over a thousand. I just like I just like also like their plus minus. I mean Newfoundland Newfoundland does have a good plus minus. Um, they both scored the same amount of goals, two hundred and forty three. Newfoundland actually does have a better plus minus, but they have played less games. Um, I I really just like Reading. I just like the way I just like the way they discipline themselves. They play really good defense, and I just think Reading is. I just think they're ready for a run. I just think so the past couple of years they've been close, but I think this is their year. Now we're going to go down to the Western Conference. Um, I kind of want to get your thoughts. I already know what you might say here, but I just want to hear what you have to think. Well, to show you how competitive the West is compared to the East, only one team in the West has clinched a playoff spot this deep in the season. This might be the most entertaining last three or four games in the ECHL in a long time because of how close these divisions are, especially the Mountain Division where you could see a team that's in fourth right now in Allen or a team that's in third in Tulsa or even fifth in Idaho be jump up into first. That's how that's how uh, fluctuating that division is. Toledo obviously screams the favorite, 
But I don't think – I think the absence of their two main goalies that helped get them there, I think Christopoulos and Fulcher both being gone, I think that's going to hurt them in the long run. I know T.J. Hensick's an NHL guy. I know Jesse Mitchin's been in the, in the ECHL for quite a while. But I don't see any way that they can get that with new – get that run with new goaltending. I see a team like a Fort Wayne or a Utah even getting to the Kelly Cup Finals. Whoever I think whoever finishes as the one seed in the Mountain Division has a strong chance to get to the Kelly Cup Finals, and I think it will be Utah. I like what you're saying about Toledo. Obviously, the rest goaltenders out. They signed an emergency goalie. Um, I don't know. I don't know who that was, but um, yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they're without their two best goaltenders, the two best, the reason that they're at the top is because of their goaltending. They've only allowed 190 goals all season, which is one of the lowest in the entire league. Um, I mean, they don't score at a great clip compared to some of the teams in the Eastern Conference, but you know, the West is a lot about defense. The West is defense heavy, and they have played really great defense. We'll have to see. You know, I think if their goalies can come in and make a good stand. Possibly they could go to the Kelly Cup Finals, but you know I kind of like what you said about their two best. They're not going to make. It. I'm going to choose Fort Wayne because it's not. I mean, yes, their play is good. Um, they score at a good clip compared to other teams in the Western Conference, but I think it's all about home ice. I you know Fort Wayne historically, obviously they're you know one of the oldest teams in the ECHL. They have a really good history in the playoffs. I just think that the atmosphere up in Fort Wayne is just really good. And when you're talking playoffs, you want to talk home ice advantage, and they probably have the best home ice advantage of any team in the ECHL. Shout out there up in Fort Wayne, Indiana to them. So I'm going Fort Wayne. Um, you are going Utah. Yeah, so it's, now, it's definitely interesting. Fort Wayne has historically uh, done very well. And uh, it's been it hasn't been too long ago since we've seen it a team repeat as champions back in 2018. It was the Colorado Eagles who repeated. That team was for real, though. That team was very physical. And Fort Wayne kind of mirrors that team. Uh, up there in the penalty minutes, over 1,100. I think Fort Wayne's got a good chance, especially with your mentioning they sell out pretty much every game. So you have Utah and Newfoundland. I kind of want to get your thoughts on that potential finals matchup and who – who do you think is going to win out of those two? How do you think this series will go and shape out? Honestly, as much as it pains me to say it, I don't think that series will be that competitive. I think Newfoundland as a team, when they get going, they're going, and not much is going to stop them. I see I see Newfoundland winning the series in probably five or six. I don't wow. see it going that deep. I think Newfoundland, especially – the thing is, Newfoundland's been used to long bus rides throughout the years because they go everywhere else. They've played They've played in Idaho this year. That probably was the worst experience of these players' lives, driving that bus or riding in that bus. But Utah, not really a team that's used to overly long bus rides. I mean, the furthest they've gone this year in the division is probably out to Kansas City, and Utah to Kansas City is only about – 17 hours which in the grand scheme of the league isn't that long so i think newfoundland just because they're used to the travel the far travel and i think they just have more talent overall i don't think it'll be that competitive i think newfoundland wins a five or six interesting take there so i've got redding and i've got fort wayne i'm gonna have to go with redding on this one because if redding and fort wayne meet in the kelly cup finals Fort Wayne's not going to have home ice advantage. And I think 
they're a good team, but I think they're really dependent on home ice. They would have to steal one in Reading, which is tough. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, it's not super far of a drive, you know, compared to some other teams. Um, but I, I just think Reading is is just ready to win one. They're hot at the right time. They're really good defense. It would be very interesting to see how a team with minimal penalty minutes in Reading at six hundred and a team with a lot of penalty minutes in Fort Wayne with eleven seventy go against each other because I feel like Fort Wayne will try to be. I'm curious to see how a team that doesn't really isn't really physical in Reading goes against a physical team because. Reading is just so sound on both ends of the rink. And I feel like if Fort Wayne tries to be physical, they could get caught. You know, it's almost like you and NHL 22. You yeah. try to go for a big hit and you get caught and they score. You know, I, I just think that's going to be really tough um, for a really physical team to go up against a really sound team. Um, I just think Reading is going to take this one. Uh, so I've got Reading. You've got Newfoundland. I'm going to go Reading in six games to win the Kelly Cup playoffs. Brendan, any final thoughts on our first episode? Anything you got left to say about the season? Not really. I'd just say I'm interested to see how the last couple games of the Western Conference shake up. You know, especially in the Mountain Division. Tulsa, Allen, and Idaho really gunning for those last two playoff spots and it's a it's kind of a David and Goliath situation in terms of of uh, schedules. You know, Allen's got the really easy schedule. They've got a game tomorrow, tonight, and tomorrow, both against Wichita, who's the worst team in the division, and then they've got three more next week against Iowa, who's the worst team in the Central Division. Then Idaho's got three tough games against Utah, and Tulsa's got three challenging games in Rapid City. So I'm interested to see which teams will take those last two playoff spots. I am also very intrigued. I cannot wait for the ECHL playoffs. That will do for our first episode. We're going to try to uh, record weekly, hopefully in a couple episodes, maybe even get some special guests. But we really appreciate you listening to this first episode of our ECHL podcast and look out for some more episodes weekly. That has been it. Cooper Burns, Brendan Paul, and we hope to see you at episode number two. Thank you very much for listening.